0: This is a freshman in Bible college, uh, as I was memorizing the Book of James, that I probably first recognized the verse we 're looking at this morning, James 127. And for me reading it and kind of noticing it for the first time, it was so curious for me. Um, Not not really a way that I'd looked at things before from the standpoint of my faith. And James' words are so definitive, so concrete, and yet they were so foreign to my thinking at that time. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Memorize that verse, thought about it, the, the idea of religion being thrown in there, and what's this all about? Because at that time, as an 18 year old kid, I had no concept of orphan. I mean, outside of the uh, occasional TV show or movie, you know, something like Little Orphan Annie. That was the extent of my perspective. After graduating from Bible college a- as a young 24 year old youth pastor, I was introduced to the Ministry of Compassion International. Maybe some of you are f- familiar with compassion. And so our youth ministry decided to sponsor a compassion child. And each week when we'd meet, you know, kids would bring a buck or two and and we'd collect some money. We'd send that into Compassion to to, to sponsor one of the, the Compassion children. That child that we were sponsoring, they might have been an orphan, certainly a child in need. Uh, not far from that church where I youth pastored, it was in Illinois, and there was this place called Mooseheart, The Mooseheart Children's Home, started by the Moose Lodge Fraternal Order, and a, a, a place for orphaned or abandoned children. And I'd drive by their massive, sprawling complex, and i wonder what life was like for the children at Moose Heart. What were their stories for Jennifer and I early on in our marriage, uh, we decided to sponsor a child as as a couple and and we did that through another ministry called World Vision, maybe some of you are familiar with world vision and they similar to compassion international have have a <clears throat> children 's sponsorship program and so we did that uh, having several of the, the the children that we were sponsoring age out and so for almost 20 years sponsoring a child or children through World Vision. Again, perhaps those children were orphans, certainly children in need. It wasn't until 2005 that I had my first personal experience with what it meant to be an orphan. And I say it happened by accident, but really it was no accident. It was obviously by providence. Uh, I was taking a group of students on a mission trip to Nairobi, Kenya, some from our church, some from some other churches, myself, some other youth pastors getting together. A two-week mission trip over spring break and then some. And we had the entire trip planned out day by day by day, what we're going to do each day, and then at the last minute, there was a change in our schedule and we had a free day right in the middle of our two weeks. What are we going to do with our free day? And so our our host there said, well, I have several friends who run orphanages. Maybe your team could break up into smaller groups and you could go and visit some of these orphanages. And so. A list of four orphanages was given to us, and, and the descriptions on them, you know, some had older kids, and some in the slums, and, and, and one of them was was infants, uh, babies, and, and toddlers, and so we made a list, divided it up into four, we're going to pass it around the room, and everyone could sign up for which orphanage they wanted to, to go and visit that day. The list started to my left, so I was going to be the last person to get it. And I was just thinking to myself, well, I'll go to any of these except the one for the babies. You know, if I have, you know, kids that are a little bit older who I can run around and play with and kick a soccer ball and have some fun, that would be great. But, you know, holding a baby, feeding a baby, spit up, all of that stuff, uh, that, uh, of course, you know what happened. The list goes all the way around the room. It gets to me. And the orphanage that needed my leadership to be present at was Happy Life Children's Home with all the babies all the way up to age three. As our little team went to Happy Life Children's Home, James one twenty-seven. 27 took on a whole new meaning. I, I mean, that day I <clears throat> began by them bringing out the babies to us, us holding the babies and feeding the babies and rocking the babies to sleep. And, and one of the workers is sitting next to me, and I just started up a casual conversation. So so what, you know, can you adopt these kids? What's involved with, with adopting one of the children from the orphanage? And, and this orphanage worker made it sound so easy. I thought, well, we can do that. Well, they they, they they took the babies and put them back in their cribs for them to take their nap. And then the toddlers came out. And as the toddlers came out, this one in the middle of the room, big giant smile, this little girl just immediately not only captured my heart, but the heart of everyone on our Team, little baby Mary. Little did uh, I know that just three months after that, uh, Jennifer and I would be with our three daughters leaving. Lake Mary, Florida to move halfway across the world to Nairobi, Kenya to begin the adoption process. You see what sounded so easy turned out to not be so easy because you had to go through 90 days of foster care in the country before you could begin the adoption process and be in the country for that process. But we thought, hey, we're missionaries. We can just pick up and go over there and do mission work there. We can do this. And it was six months later, it was on Super Bowl Sunday, 2006, my beloved Pittsburgh Steelers in the Super Bowl, when we stepped foot back in the U.S., our adoption journey complete. And just an amazing day bringing our new daughter, Mary Faith, home with us. And uh, many of you from the church there at the airport waiting for us, holding up signs to welcome us and our new daughter back home religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. At that time in my life, this verse was taking on a whole new meaning. You see, here's what James is saying. The genuineness of our faith, true religion, is demonstrated in how we respond to the most vulnerable among us. The genuineness of our faith is demonstrated in how we respond to the most vulnerable among us. The reason why that word religion kind of caught my attention when I first was memorizing it there in James chapter 1 is because it's not a word that shows up frequently, believe it or not. It doesn't show up frequently in the Bible. Only a couple of times is it in the scriptures, and when it is, it's always used in the context of us caring for others. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 4, uh, the apostle Paul, in speaking about how we are to care for our families, our extended families, care for widows, says that we're to put our religion into practice. And then James, the brother of Jesus, in James chapter 1, where we're at, in speaking about how we respond to people who are vulnerable, who are in need, that if we don't respond the right way, what does he say? Our religion is worthless. Worthless. Strong word. Jennifer and I moved here to Florida in 1999. At the time, we only had two young daughters. Uh, We had no idea the miraculous journey that God would take our family on. And the SCC family has been with us on that journey every step of the way. We went from little family when we moved here, two young daughters, to now having six daughters, six girls right? And I've had the privilege of traveling to many countries around the globe to preach the gospel, to uh, to train leaders, uh, to, to, to work with churches. And my wife, it got to the point where she said, Doug, you got to stop going to new countries because everywhere you go, you want to bring a new daughter home with you. It was shortly after moving here that I met a man named Will Jean Comper, Pastor Will Jean. I met him along with other pastors from around the world, including those pastors who brought me to Kenya at a Billy Graham conference in Amsterdam in the year 2000. I made my first trip to Haiti three years later, 2003. And on that first trip, I asked Pastor Will Jean, the leaders from the church, what their vision was. And they shared with me their vision, and looking around at the the land that the church sat on, they didn't own the land, and they said, "Well, we want to buy this property, and on this property we want to build a school, and we want to build a medical clinic, we want to have an orphanage." Now all of all of that was resonating with me, but the idea of an orphanage it was still it wasn't quite tangible to me. But I said to Pastor Will John. I will pray with you that God will provide everything that you need so that this vision becomes a reality. That's exactly what God has done. I would learn before long that how we care for the orphan is a reflection of how God cares for us. What does Jesus say to his followers? I will not leave you as what? As orphans. He doesn't want us to feel orphaned, to feel abandoned. The Apostle Paul writes that the way that we enter into God's family is actually through adoption. Adoption. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, he says, The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. In Ephesians chapter 1, he says, He, God, predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. The fact that God would adopt us into his family is something that gives God great pleasure. Now, don't make the mistake of saying or believing, hey, hey, We're all God's children, right? We hear that. That's a phrase that's thrown around. But the fact of the matter is this. Apart from Christ, we're all alienated from God. We're all separated, alone. We're his creation, but not yet his children. But that all changes at the moment that we place our faith in Jesus Christ alone to forgive us and rescue us from our sins. In that moment when we place our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, we are adopted into God's forever family. We become his dearly loved child one of my favorite verses in scripture first john chapter 3 verse 1 it says how great is the love that the father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of god he's lavished his love on us that we could be his children and when you've experienced a love like that a love so great the natural response is that you want others to experience God's great love through you God demonstrates a special care for the orphaned Psalm 68 it says a father to the fatherless a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling a father To the fatherless. It was around 2008, and I was back in Kenya to do ministry again. I was traveling over there two to three times a year, every year for about a 10-year stretch, 2004 to 2013. And frequently when I'd go, I'd, I'd want to go back and visit Happy Life Children's Home. I want to go and visit the, the children there and the workers and see Pastor Peter, who was running the orphanage. And, and, and so on this trip, my, my Kenyan friend, Pastor Mickey, who I'd met at that conference in Amsterdam, um, he got a pastor friend of his who had a car, a luxury there in Kenya, to drive us to Happy Life. And as we pulled in and parked there at Happy Life, Uh, this pastor who's driving, he says, oh, I, I know this place. Pastor Peter, he's a friend of mine. And so I half joked with him, oh, well, maybe you should adopt one of the children. To which he replied, maybe I will. And then my pastor friend, Mickey, he interjected, oh, Doug, you don't understand. My friend already had five children, and then when some of his relatives began passing away, he adopted their children as his own. He's already adopted seven children. My jaw dropped. And then this humble Kenyan pastor said something that forever changed my perspective on adoption. I, I, I must have said something to him like, that's, that's amazing, how can you care for so many kids? Isn't that what you're thinking as I say he's got 12 kids, seven of them adopted? Because I know how Kenyan pastors live, they're not wealthy, and so he, he, he replied, Um, God says that he is a father to the fatherless. These are his kids, not mine. They're his responsibility, not mine. He'll provide for them. And I'm just making myself available for him to do that. so different from our perspective, right? Uh, We think about our children and all the things we want to provide for them and all the things that we need to do for them and uh, the the way that we want to set them up in life and and everything that we have to give them. And so we cap the limit of On what we can do in response to the orphan crisis based upon our resources, not God's. And it is an orphan crisis. There are 140 million orphans worldwide. Here in the U.S., the number's relatively small compared to the developing world, 450,000. In Haiti, a country of 10 million people, prior to the devastating earthquake of 2010, there were 380,000 orphans. That was a staggering enough number. But after the earthquake, where upwards of half a million people died, Those orphan numbers skyrocketed up to uh, almost a million orphans in Haiti. Children who'd lost at least one of their parents. Worldwide, 8 million orphans live in orphanages or, sadly, on the streets. And tragically, 1.2 million children are being trafficked. Worldwide, But here's the number that really matters today. The number of adults it takes to make a difference in the life of an orphan. Just one. Just one. It was one person in Haiti that had the vision to build Open Doors Orphanage, Pastor Will John. It was one person back in 2008 visiting Haiti with me that heard uh, about the vision for an orphanage, came home from that and decided he was going to give us the money to purchase the land for the future site of Open Doors Orphanage. And then one By one, person after person gave. Many of you gave after the devastating earthquake in 2010, when I felt God put it on my heart that we needed to raise $100,000 in a 100 days to build Open Doors Orphanage in response to Haiti's growing orphan crisis. And that's exactly what God did. $100,000 $100,000 in 100 days. And we began construction. And many of many of our church family went on mission trips to help build that orphanage. And it was built. And we were ready to have those kids move in. We, we were ready to have the kids move in to their new home. But the government wasn't quite ready for us to have kids move into the new home. The government said, no, first you have to build a wall around the property. A wall, come on, let us just put these kids in there and then we can build it later. No, before we can put the kids in their new home, we have to have a wall. And so Pastor Jerry and I, we're we're talking and half-heartedly but seriously saying, you know, Nehemiah was able to build a wall around Jerusalem in 52 days. So why would, shouldn't we be able to raise the thirty thousand dollars we need and build a wall around the orphanage in fifty-two days, so that these kids can move in on December first, two thousand eleven? And that is exactly what God did. We had a a group there the following February, two thousand twelve, for our. Orphanage dedication, many from this church, I think the entire elder team at that time from the church was there to help dedicate the orphanage, the pastoral staff at the time there to help dedicate the orphanage. And while we were there for the dedication, Pastor John shared the story with us of his first trip to the orphanage after the kids had moved in. Because when he walked through the gates in the wall, walked through the gates and up through the doors and into the building, the kids saw him and they began screaming and came running to him. Poppy was on! Poppy was on! Poppy was on! And they're grabbing him by the shirt, by the hand. They're pulling him this way and that way, tugging on his leg, trying to pull him this direction and that direction. He didn't know what was going on, but he let them drag him where they were going to drag him, and they took him to show him their bed. Because for every single one of those children, it was the first time in their life that they had their own bed. Even more amazingly, it was the first time for any of them that they'd actually even slept on a bed with one of their parents, possibly two of their parents, uh, deceased and them living with a relative, perhaps an elderly grandmother and sleeping in a, in a hut on a dirt floor and, and not being able to be well cared for. And many of these kids, like literally picking up clumps of dirt and eating handfuls of dirt to fill their empty bellies. That was the desperate situation that these children were in. And oh, when we were there for that dedication, to see their joy could not contain the tears. God asks us, his children to demonstrate special concern for the orphan. God asks us to offer justice for the orphan, to deliver justice. The law that God gave to Moses is full of instruction on how to respond to orphans and widows. In Exodus chapter 22, Uh, part of the, the, the Jewish law. Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. In Deuteronomy 10, he defends the cause of the fatherless, giving them food and clothing. In Deuteronomy 24, do not deprive the fatherless of justice. In Deuteronomy 27, cursed, cursed is anyone who withholds justice from the fatherless. In Psalm 82, defend the weak and the fatherless. Defend them. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Defend them. Uphold their cause. Why do the fatherless need justice? You remember the number. 1.2 million vulnerable children are being trafficked worldwide trafficked in the, the sex slavery trade, trafficked in the, 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 the domestic servant market. Justice is needed. In Haiti, there's a, there's a term for this. The, the word is restavik. And, and, and it's the name given to a child who is given by or taken from their parent or their parents to become a household servant. Uh, they go and they they they're given to or taken by someone to live in their house uh, they might be 6 7 8 10 years old and, and they're to clean they're to cook while that family their kids they're cared for and go off to school and this rest of it is the slave living in that household So what does justice look like for the orphan? Justice is righteousness in action. That I mean, we would take a stand stand against child trafficking. Be aware of what's going on. Pray for and support organizations that are involved in this fight. Organizations like IJM, the International Justice Mission, who are fighting hard and doing good work to battle child trafficking and take a stand against indentured servitude. I saw this up close two years ago when I was doing ministry in Pakistan. Uh, The pastor who I was there with, and he was sharing his ministry with us, and and we were seeing different aspects of his ministry. And one of the the things that he did was he had a ministry for the people who were working at the brick factories. I say working because the reality is these brick factories were really a form of slave labor. People who had debts that they couldn't repay, maybe as little as three thousand dollars were forced to live at a brick factory with their family and together work off their debt. But sadly, taken out of their meager pay at the brick factory were the expenses for the the, the little shack that they were living in as well as the food. That they were eating, meaning there was little left over to pay off their debt. So someone who might have a debt for as little as $3,000 is stuck literally as a slave, working practically for nothing for 10 to 20 years to pay off that debt. This pastor friend in Pakistan his ministry to these families at the brick factories he you know would do chapels you know church services and started schools for the children feeding programs for the kids even raising money to pay off a family's debt literally purchasing their freedom from slavery And we also need to stand for the unborn, for the most vulnerable among us. And at SCC, we we do this practically as we participate with the Sanford Crisis Pregnancy Center each year with their baby bottle collection. And if you've you've been here for a year or more, you, You've experienced that with us where, where we'll take a baby bottle, you know, and as a family, you fill that baby bottle up with money. Uh, between Mother's Day and Father's Day, you bring it back and, and a way for us to practically give, to contribute, to support the good work that the Crisis Pregnancy Center is doing uh, where so many of these young women feel like they don't have any options and now they're presented with the choice to be able to choose life. For their child. So God asks us to deliver justice for the orphan, and he also asks us to offer compassion to the orphan. There in the Jewish law, in Deuteronomy 24, gives this instruction. You know, agricultural community, uh, agricultural Culture and says, when you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back and get it. Leave it for the fatherless so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Find ways to care for the needs of the orphan. Uh, Care, this is compassion. You know, it's love in action. I shared with you that early on in my journey in ministry as a youth pastor, we partnered with Compassion International. And then uh, as a young married couple, Jennifer and I, we sponsored a child through World Vision. Well, obviously when we started our own schools and feeding programs in Haiti through Open Door Haiti now uh, we had faces and names and people who we were directly connecting with these were our kids and that's where that's where we've given and you can be a part of that sponsoring an orphan or one of the children at the schools, you know, just go on Open Door Haiti's website and, and a simple way to, to get involved, that love in action. You can mentor an orphan. I think about this idea of being a father to the fatherless. So many in our communities who are fatherless and particularly for us men who, who uh, we're needed to step in and to be a father figure and a mentor. and there's foster parenting. We're going all the way in that journey to adopting a child. A journey that we've taken twice, adopting Mary Faith from Kenya back 2005, 2006, and then after the earthquake in Haiti in 2010, deciding to adopt again, and that journey... Took almost four years, four agonizing years. No, we didn't have to actually live there, but we had to live it. Four years. And again, when I was finally able to bring our daughters home from Haiti, many of you, friends and family from the church, there at our home to welcome us, to welcome our girls. Into the church family as well. You know, the Bible is full of adoption stories. Adoptions at the heart of God. Moses, he was rescued out of the Nile and adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. Samuel, the prophet, he was adopted by Eli. Esther, who would become queen, was adopted by Mordecai. Jesus, our Savior, adopted by Joseph and you and I adopted into God's forever family so what is God asking you to do today how will how will we Practically live out the encouragement that we see in James chapter 1, verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress. How can we do that? You can get involved in sponsoring a child, you can, there are so many things you can do uh, at the simplest level. You could pick up one of the shoe boxes today, one of our Haiti hope boxes and fill it with with goodies that are going to share your love and God's love with one of the children at our orphanage or our school there in Haiti. And all the delight, the smile on their faces. All it takes is one to make a difference. Will you be that one? Let's watch.